Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We are here to help people experience a life-changing relationship with Jesus. We hope you were blessed with this message, recorded live from Palmerston North, New Zealand. Enjoy. John chapter 17, reading out from verse 20 to 23. And this is a prayer that Jesus was praying for his disciples. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they'll be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Another version says, may they be brought to complete unity. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the celebration. Lord, to sing songs together, to worship in other languages and to champion, Lord God, the the different ethnicities and backgrounds that we all come from. I just thank you for this house, Lord, and all those that are represented here. Lord, that you have brought us together for such a time as this. So Lord, this morning I pray that not my words are heard, but your word. Lord, we want to touch from heaven today. Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us? We need you. We love you. We give you all the glory, praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're taking notes, my title for this morning is, If We're In It, We're In It Together. Someone say together. If we're in it, we're in it together. You know, there's some things that seem to draw people together from all walks of life. From stadiums of tens of thousands of people watching football or watching rugby to arenas and parks, watching a band amongst hundreds of other people. Then we have bingo at the rest home, bingo night, amen. Anybody love their bingo? Give it a few years. There's get-togethers on Friday nights with the co-workers after a long week. There's a school assembly you went to every day. I went to a school assembly every day at Boys High, or maybe it was just once a week. You went to a, a school assembly with all the other students that you went to school with. Or maybe you've even been part of a protest or a large gathering like that, like that back in the 70s or 80s, maybe even the 60s. And you got together with all these sorts of people and uh, you had a course together, but you didn't really know anybody else there apart from what you were there for. You know, causes and crisis have a way of bringing people together. And there are more reasons than we could possibly imagine in the world why people gather together. There's so many reasons. There are so many things. There are so many causes. There are so many crises that seem to happen. There are so many reasons why people gather together, whether it be something major with thousands of people or whether it be just hanging out with a few friends on a Saturday night. There are so many reasons why people gather together. But even more than that, there are many reasons why people are united in spite of their differences. There are so many reasons why people come together, even though there are many things that could potentially separate them. And this morning, we happen to find ourselves together 
at Life Church Palmerston North, 590 Featherston Street, on Sunday, the 15th of August, 2021. I checked that twice, so it's all right. We happen to be here all together. Each one of us has a history. Each one of us have a family of birth that God set us into. Some of us don't call English our native language, which I find incredible. There's some of us here that you have another language that is actually what you would prefer or what you would mostly use. And for many, New Zealand, the land of the long white cloud, Aotearoa, wasn't even the land that you first took your steps even wasn't the land that you first took your steps in. But even with all the differences that are represented here this morning, I mean, there's the political party you may support, the style of music that you like, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, can I get away from the introverts? And can I get a yeah from the extroverts? They are in the room this morning. If you go for the sweet... All for the savory. Any savory people here? My people, gather together. We shall take this bakery. If you support Manchester United, or if you support the wrong club, or even the brand of phone that you swear by. Some people only have Apple and that's all they want. And some people will only use Android and anything else is sacrilege. (laughs) You guys need to fight it out in the car park after the service. And with all these things that could and probably should divide us, in any other walk in life, there is one thing that unites us together this morning. And we are united together because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? That's the reason why we're here. That's that's the reason why we're all together. That's the reason why you're sitting in this room isn't because of the type of food you like, the type of music you like. It's not because of your background, your future, or whatever it may be. We are gathered here this morning because of Jesus Christ. And all over the world today, millions and millions of believers are gathering together in every nation, in every corner of the world, because of the one that went to the cross and died for our sins. The one that took our place and bore the weight of our transgressions. The one that defeated death and rose again after three days. The one that left us the gift of the Holy Spirit and now sits at the right hand of the Father. The one that set you free from the clutches of hell. Can I get an amen? He set you free from eternity, away from him, from the reality of hell, the reality of separation from your loving father. And he made you righteous before God, the one that did all of this so that when you walked into his house this morning, it wasn't with a feeling of shame or guilt or timidity. Amen? That's not what we walk with when we walk into the house of the Lord. But you can walk in here this morning, not just in here but in his house, we can walk in his house every Sunday, every time that we walk and we move into his presence, knowing that we are a child of God. We can have our shoulders back, head held high because your past is forgiven and our future has a purpose. Does anybody believe that? I mean, I love the Psalm uh, 122. It says, well, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, you can be glad when you come to church. You can be happy when you come to the house. You can be you can be full of joy when you come to church. It's not something you have to slumber into. You can actually smile as you walk into church. Isn't that a good thing? 
I want to go to a place that I enjoy, not something I just have to endure. And church is meant to be a place of victory, not of shame and condemnation. We come in here knowing that we are fully forgiven. We do have a past. There's a re- the reality of our sin, but then is now washed away, set right, and set up for a future that is found in Him. Amen? And that's what we walk into when we come into His house. We can be glad when we come to the house of the Lord. It's what brings us together. However, I look back at 2020 and I think that it will be remembered more than anything probably for the division that it caused in our world. Everything and anything has become, it seems, a source of contention in New Zealand, America, Europe, and everywhere. It seems to be just division that seems to permeate out of absolutely everything that is going on in the world, especially last year. New Zealand's been lucky in some ways, but it's still seeped in in some places. But we have been given as a church, as a people, as his people, even though there is division that is going on around us, we've been given a mandate by Jesus, as Steve just put it so greatly before, to go into the world and make disciples of all Nations. That's what we've been called to. That's what we've been mandated with. Not to just sit in church and enjoy a few songs, but to go and make disciples of Jesus. But let me also say we're never going to accomplish that task, that mandate, that call that Jesus has asked, called us to, to make disciples. If our time is found in comparing, complaining, and criticizing instead of standing for one another. If we look at this passage in John 17, notice that Jesus has a prayer for us. As I said before, it's a prayer for, for, for us. It was a prayer for the kingdom principle of unity, which I want to speak into this morning. The kingdom principle of unity. And I know that we all love when our prayers are answered by Jesus. Amen. When he answers a prayer, it is so awesome. Have you ever had a prayer that's been answered by Jesus? He's turned up, shown up, given you a miracle, done something in you or through you or for you that you could never have done by your own talent or gift or understanding. Anybody had a miracle before? Had a prayer answered? How much more significant would it be if not only Jesus answered our prayers, but we answered his prayer? So I'm sure many of you glazed over this scripture when I was uh, reading it before. So I just want to go back to it and read it one more time. And I want you to all to listen to the desire that Jesus has for each and every single one of us. John 17, 20 to 23, just in case you forgot, this is what it says. This is Jesus speaking. I am praying not only for these disciples, not only for the disciples that he had at the time. Hear this, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's us. This is a prayer not just for the disciples 2,000 years ago, but this is a prayer for you and I today. Also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Verse 21, I pray that they will all be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that, hear the so that, so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. We take on a new 
We, we, we take on a new identity in Christ. We take on the glory of Christ. We're a new creation, redeemed and set right in him. Verse 23, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. May they experience such perfect unity. Why? That the world will know that you sent me. He says it twice. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. What does this mean for us? Well, firstly, I want you to know, number one, unity has a common enemy. Unity has a common enemy. The devil's greatest desire is a divided church. That's what he desires. He doesn't need the church to be destroyed. He just needs it to be distracted. The devil doesn't need the church to be ruined or to fall into catastrophe. It doesn't need it to be blown up from the inside out. It doesn't need an implosion in the church. All he needs is the church to be distracted on what it should not be and ought not to be doing. If the church is distracted, it doesn't need to be destroyed because it's not outworking the purposes that God has called us to. And so often as a church, we get distracted on the things that we're not supposed to. And the devil just stands back and says, I don't need to do anything because you're already doing my work. That's what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we are not fighting against the flesh against flesh and blood enemies. The Apostle Paul in the scripture is reminding the church in Ephesus that we're actually not meant to be fighting amongst ourselves or people around us. He had to remind the church 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul was with them, was writing to them 2,000 years ago. And back then when the church had just been established, when Jesus had just been with them, they had already started to quarrel amongst themselves. And I think it's no wonder that that can happen with us and in us and through us and in the church today. He says, but against evil rulers, this is what you meant to fight against, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in, the, in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is one thing that more than another required of the church of God today, it's that there is a present front, a present united front against the enemy. We, we need to be know that what we're for, but we but before that, we need to know who we are against, who we are fighting against, who we're, what we're, what we're, where the battle line is drawn. It's not against each other. It's against the enemy. We, we, the church needs a, a great, it has a great need for aggressive unity to know who it's fighting against. Just before the Battle of Trafalgar in 1805, and by the way, I've been, uh, well, I've been uh, watching this documentary about the Napoleonic Wars, and uh, this is not related at all. It's a tangent. I just want you to know there was a uh, it was a two and a half hour uh, documentary, and I thought it was going to go for thirty minutes. It was the best two and a half hours. It was, it was amazing. Does anybody like like history? Yeah, sure. And uh, anyway, I, I don't really mind. Um, and then I, I was like, oh, that, that's really awesome. But then there was another three and a half hour documentary on YouTube. It was amazing. Cool. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, so the Battle of Trafalgar, and it was between the navies of the British versus the, the navies of the French and the Spanish. It was, it was during the Napoleonic Wars. And Admiral Lord Nelson of the British, who was leading this battle, he inquired of Admiral Collingwood where his captain was. And he learned that he and Captain Rotherham were not on good terms with each other. There was a bit of a spat between them. And so he sent a boat for the captain, and, he, and they came together. 
And he placed the, the hands of Collingwood and Rotherham, the admiral and the, the captain, he placed the, the hands together. And he pointed to the enemy's ships. And he earnestly looked them in the eyes, he looked them in the face, and he uttered the simple words, look yonder is the enemy. Look, yonder is the enemy. And it was enough, disagreements were forgotten, and the victory was gained that way. Because two men who were quarreling with each other united against a common enemy. And this morning, I want us to know that we're not fighting against each other. We are united against a common enemy. And that's the, that's the devil who we're fighting against. We have one enemy, and he was defeated at the cross. He prowls, uh, prowls around, around like a roaring lion. He has the shape, he has the, the form of greatness, but he has no power or authority over you or anyone that you know. Amen? The enemy has been defeated at the cross. We have victory in Jesus' name. We have an enemy. His name is the devil. and We're to fight against him together. Number two, unity is commitment at its core. You know, unity isn't just agreement. Unity is commitment to one another despite our differences. I want you to hear that because it's so important you understand this. Unity isn't just about agreement. Unity is commitment to one another despite our differences. The amount of times that I've been talking to the staff and the team and you know, just being like kind of preparing for the future and making plans or coming up with ideas and that sort of thing and we talk together and I think this is a good idea so I bring it to them or whatever it may be. We talk about it and then at the end I have to say, but I may may very well be wrong about this. It's like, this is my thoughts, this is my idea, this is kind of where we're going. This is like where I believe the church is going, where, where the Holy Spirit is, is taking us, but I may very well be wrong because after all, I am a human. Ta-da! I'm a human, so I might be wrong. You know that very well, don't you? Why? Because I get it wrong sometimes. We all get it wrong sometimes. Myself and Sophie, we aren't married because we look at each other absolutely gushing in adoration 24-7. Actually, you are right now. Um, Hey, darling. I can definitely be a little bit silly, as you probably can tell on Sunday mornings when I get a little bit you know, gone a bit of a tangent or something like that. Imagine what it's like behind closed doors at home, just me and Sophie. I mean, that's, that's patience right there, amen? Pray for that woman. She needs it. But we are married because of a commitment to love each other. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a moment. It's not just circumstantial. It's a commitment to one another that leads us back to the table to talk it through. When we have a, we have a disagreement, have an issue. It, our commitment to each other leads us back to the table to talk it through, to remain united. Imagine if marriage was just about agreeing with each other. I'm going to buy a Harley. Okay, that's great. Okay, I don't even know where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> desires of the heart. Um, not really. I don't want to ride a bike. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, church, we need to be committed to one another more than we are committed to being proved correct. Our commitment to each other must be greater than the need to be right. Let's look at the example of the early church in Acts 4.32. It says, All the believers were united in heart and minds, 
and they felt what they, what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. What, what a, what an amazing picture of commitment that is. So much so that they valued blessing others in the church more than they valued their own possessions. That's a commitment to each other that goes beyond just feelings or when it's circumstantial or, or when it, when it feels right or when it feels good. That's a commitment in the good and also the bad because commitment, unity is proved in, not, unity isn't proved. Commitment isn't proved in the good times. This type of unity is displayed when the going gets tough. When I really don't feel like being committed to you anymore, that's when unity is really shown. That's re- really where you know what's at the center of your unity. Is it just agreement? Are we united just because we're, we're trying to agree with each other? Is, is at the center of our unity just trying to people please each other? Is, is, is the unity that we have just because we're like ships crossing in the night? Or is it because we have commitment to each other? These are the moments when you find what really is at the center of the unity that you have. In your workplace, in your family, in your life group. What's at the center of your unity? Is it commitment to each other? Have you committed for the times of the hills and for the time of the valleys? Number three, unity has a steadfast purpose. Unity has a steadfast purpose. Now, I use that word because there is nothing like a focused, clear purpose that stands the test of time to make us remember what really does matter and what really doesn't matter. With myself and Sophie, about to have somebody over for, for dinner, or maybe it's a group of people coming over, or maybe it's a life group that, is, that we have, fortnights and Wednesday, it's a little plug. Um, <clears throat> who knows that when there's 10 minutes to go until people walk through the door, and we're having a little bit of a spat, when we're having a bit of an argument, who knows, it doesn't really take much time at all for us to settle our differences and to get back on the same page. For us to come together, I'm sorry, yeah, you're sorry, I'm sorry, yeah, you're sorry, okay, let's hug it out, all right, kiss it out, maybe later. Um, who knows it doesn't really take much time to resolve an issue? Why is that? Because there's a purpose. There's a purpose that's in front of us, and the purpose is that we want people that are walking through the door for life group or dinner to feel comfortable and not be in a, in a home where the, the, the people that are hosting them are arguing at each other. There's a purpose in front of it. Let me tell you, the trivial will always become what is important when the true purpose isn't clear to find. There are things that aren't important. There are things that are trivial. There are things that are just, they're just so minuscule in the grand scheme of things. And that is what becomes important when, when you don't have a true purpose that is laid out for your unity. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. We need to have a purpose in front of us for our unity. We need to have a reason why we are united. That's what I'm saying. Why are we united? 
And have you ever, if you have a big enough why, then the what will take care of itself. Do you know why you were here in the church this morning? Was it to tap along to the music? Or was it to give worship to the King of Kings? Why are you here this morning? Was it to hear another message or was it to be available for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Was it to tick off attending a service for the week or was it to gather with the body of Christ? If you serve on a team or lead here at Life Church, do you have a why that goes before your what? Our purpose, our, our, our why here at Life Church, even 40 years on from when Pastor John and Yvonne established this church, has always been for everybody, for all people, for all to know new life in Jesus. That's why this church was began. That's why we have Life Church. That's why this building exists. That's why we've met on Sundays for 40 plus years because we want people to know new life in Jesus. That's our why. So when things get tough, when things don't go so well, when, when I'm feeling a little bit tired, when I, you know, when I wake up on a Sunday morning and maybe I need two coffees instead of one, there is a purpose that is in front of me that takes care of the what I am doing. My why determines my what. This morning, why are you here? Is it just tick something off? Is it just to come to a service? Let me tell you, if that's your why, then your what is only going to be very temporal. But if you're here this morning, you say, I have a commitment. I know my why. I know my purpose. The what is always going to take care of itself. You're not going to have to worry about should I go to church or should I not. You're always going to follow your purpose. But for us here as a church, for us together, we need to make sure that we're clear on our purpose so that we don't get distracted. Go to the left or go to the right. Follow the new craze or follow what we, you know, people think we ought to be doing. Be the church that people think we should be. Follow the common popular way of thinking or doing things. But if we have a purpose, we're going to stay true to what God has called us to do. For you this morning, what is your why? What is your purpose? Stay united around our purpose, our why. Like the great saint Augustine once said, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Charity means love. In essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Number four, unity is expressed in participation. You always going to go there. Unity is expressed in participation. Let me tell you, you won't have unity in something that you don't value enough to play a part in it. You won't, you won't have unity in something if it doesn't have meaning and purpose for you, if it's not worth playing a part in it. And I'm going to get very practical for just a moment, so come with me on this. Firstly, to have particip- participation means we need to choose to belong. I encourage everybody here, if you, haven't, if you haven't made that decision to belong, make that decision. Make that choice. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's elsewhere. Maybe it's at this church. Maybe it's at the church down the road. But whatever, wherever it may be, please make a decision to belong. It's so easy just to have one foot in and one foot out. But Ephesians 2.19 says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. When you receive Jesus into your life, you're no longer Strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's so important for all of us to know that we are not just spectators in a crowd, but we belong to a family. I encourage you if you're just peering in, 
Maybe even you're watching online and you've been doing that for a few weeks. You even made the decision to belong. Or maybe you come to church every so, every so often. You kind of, you know, peek in when, uh, you know, we, we, when, it, when it's convenient or whatever it may be. Or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time. I know that I've met people who have been in church three, four, five, ten years and say that I don't really know anyone. Make a decision to belong. Take that step into participation. If you want unity, it requires of taking that step to participate in what God is doing among us. Secondly, we need to open our lives to one another. Participation means we need to open up our lives to one another. It's more than just a quick conversation in the foyer after church. It's more than just a, hello, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. Okay, good. It, 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 it's, so, it's so much more than that. And I know that's a very good, you know, it's, it's kind of what church conversations can be sometimes. Hello, how are you? Wonderful. Yeah, and you just kind of carry on. And I'm not saying that you need to open up your life to everybody. What I am saying is that you need to open up your life to somebody. First Peter 3, 8 says, Firstly, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Romans 12, 10 says, Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor one another. And this is why we have life groups. This is why we have life groups. It's not just so that we have something on during the week. It's not just so you can do something on a Wednesday night or every, every fortnight, whatever it may be. It's so that people can know you and that you can know them. It's so that people in our world can have access to the areas of our lives that they need to. So that every, not everyone can have access, but that some people can peer in, go below the surface, dig a little bit deeper, not just be the nice, you know, kind of you know, very, very polite. You know, we've been watching Downton Abbey lately, and it's kind of like very polite and very surface level in absolutely every conversation. But we want to dig a little bit deeper, actually be united in brotherly and tender love. Amen? Or sisterly love, whatever, you know. Thirdly, we all need to play our part. We all need to play our part. When I lived at home, my mom, and it still is to this day, amazing. She was an absolute machine. I mean, she would not stop until the whole world was clean. She would, she would want to organize everything. If you have a room that's not organized, let her know because she'll come and organize it for you. She just goes and goes. The other day I called her and um, I said, hey, mom, how you doing? She says, yeah, I'm good. I said, what? Let me guess, you're tidying the garage. She says, yes, how do you know? And it's because that's what she does. And so I... What am, what am I even trying to say? Um, and that, that was amazing. And uh, when I was growing up, my mom would do everything for me. And she would cook and she would clean. And all I had to do was make sure I showered daily. Still important, even to this day. And secondly, make sure I cleaned my teeth, brushed my teeth twice a day. Amen? Who, who brushes teeth? No, I shouldn't ask that. And that was amazing. All I had to do was get up in the morning, you know, at school at like, you know, 22. So I'd get up at... 25-2 and, you know, make myself, make my way to school. But then, 2015, it's not that long ago for many of us, I got married. And it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and I got the shock of my life. Because just before we got married, I sat down with Sophie and we wrote out a list 
of all the jobs that needed to be done around the house. And who knows that half of them I had no idea even existed. Amen. <laughs> What's an iron? Like, you know, is it, a, is it a middle bar? Like, you know. Yeah. And we sat down and we went through all the stuff and I was just like, oh my gosh, there's actually so much that goes on in order to keep and maintain a household. I mean, if you're dating at the moment, make sure you have that conversation. You do not want to be blindsided straight after the honeymoon. We had this conversation, actually, we just had it again because it's like, the, the list has like doubled recently, you know? And so it's crazy. Like, there's so much stuff you have to do, like, you know? Anyway. But it came to a point that I couldn't just do what I wanted to do anymore. I needed to play my part. Amen? Huh? Wives, Amen? Ephesians 4.16 says, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds its, uh, itself up in love. There's, there's, we are building. We are growing. We're not perfect, but we're, we're making our way towards who we are in Christ. Amen. I mean, this church isn't perfect, but we are growing in, we are, personally and collectively. We are growing. By every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. Hear this as each part does its work. We need to have, if we're going to have unity in this house, we need to have participation. And if we're going to have participation, it means all of us playing our part. Amen? Number five, the team comes and joins me. Unity makes a place for everyone. Somebody say everyone. Everyone. I want you to know that unity isn't also uniformity. It's not just doing stuff the same way. We're not called to be the same. We're not called to look the same, do the same, talk the same, walk the same, dress the same, be the same. We're all called to be unique because God made us. Although He loves us, He loves us uniquely. Amen? And He made us uniquely too. I don't believe that we all need to have the same walk for us to be going in the same direction. To put it another way, I would far rather for us to carry the same spirit than I would uh, than, than have the same style. Let me say that again. I would rather, I would desire, my heart's desire for all of us as a house is for us to have the same spirit. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to have the same style. You ought to take the time and after the service, go talk to somebody. Maybe just linger for a little bit longer than you usually do. Don't just rush out. Don't just go to the next thing. The lawns can wait. Your lunch booking, you know, you can go somewhere else. You know, Burger King's just down the road. I'd encourage you just to linger a little bit longer. And just to embrace the fact that we are all so different. I mean, when I married Sophie, you know, I, I, I saw her in one way, but the more I got to know her, I'm just like, why do you do the things that you do? Like, it's just, we're, we're just like opposites, just like magnets that have gone, you know, together. But it's, just, it's so similar here in the church that just because we're different just be, doesn't mean that we can have unity. And I love looking around at all the people in this house and know that what you can do, I can't do. What you add, I can't add. What I can do, maybe you can't do. And that's okay. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can lead the house, but maybe there's some other things that I can't do. 
But as we all play our part, who knows that God is building His house, that Jesus Christ is building His house. And why is that? Why is it so important that we can all be who we are? It's because this is a place for everyone. This is a place for everyone. Paul summarizes his vision for unity in the church. In Galatians 3, 26 to 28, it says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? We are all children of God in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism, the word for baptism there doesn't mean just uh, being dunked in water. Baptism really means being immersed into Jesus. We are, called, we are called to baptism in Jesus, being immersed in Him, not just in the shallow end, but all in. Not, not, not just kind of with one foot in the water in a relationship with Him, but diving all in, giving our whole life to Jesus. That's what it means to be baptized in Him. United with Christ in baptism and they have put on and, and, and it put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. Hear this in verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Come on, that's something to thank God about, that we are all one in Him. Although we have different backgrounds, ethnicities, even though all the things in our lives could separate us, we come together because we are one. We are one in Him. We aren't separated by our cultural background, our family of origin, or our social standing, or by our biology. In Jesus, we become one in Him. And because of that, because of that great fact, because everybody has access to this grace that Jesus has on offer and died for 2,000 years ago, this becomes for everyone. This great thing that we get to be united in. It's not just for us. It's not just for you. It's not just for those of us that have you know, been to Bible college or maybe you've been around for a certain amount of years. It's not just for those who qualify in some way. This, the, the church of Christ, the, the unity that we know in Jesus, it's for everyone. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can comment, subscribe, or share it with your friends. For more information, visit us at lifechurchpn.co.nz. Have a blessed week.